God rest ye merry gentlemen, let nothing you dismay. Remember Christ our Saviour was born on Christmas Day to save us all from Satan's power when we had gone astray. Uh, Sophie, it's May. What are you doing? Oh, Willow's getting ready for Mr. Hanky. Isn't that our next episode we're going to cover? I'm sure the listeners think that's the way that we're going, but we're going to throw a curveball in there. We're actually going to be saving all of our Christmas episodes to do one big special later on. So we're just going to put a fork in this Christmas ham for the moment. We're not quite done with it. We'll get back to it. So just put a fork in it for the time being. Aw, I was so excited to get controversial with religion. Well, you're in luck. Disclaimer, South Park is the property of Trey Parker and Matt Stone. All opinions voiced are our own and not theirs. The following program contains educational course language and due to its hilariously inappropriate content should not be listened to by anyone. and welcome to our ninth episode. My name is Sophie. And I'm Amanda. We've already tackled some mildly offensive topics and we're excited to bring you more. This South Park podcast is nothing like you've heard as it dives into complex social constructs and issues that South Park plays off of. We hope you leave today thinking, I learned something today and had a chuckle. Today's South Park episode is season one, episode 10, Damien. Fun fact, Parker said he and Stone did not intend for Damien to be offensive to Christians or any religion in general. Quote, in South Park, Jesus is a great guy. He's on our show. And in one episode, he's the hero. We're not in the business of offending people. We're in the business of making people laugh. This episode touches on religion, faith, and the nature of good and evil. To recap the episode, the new kid in class persuades Jesus to do a battle with his father, Satan, in the final battle of good versus evil. And Cartman is livid to learn the bout clashes with his birthday party. Like, oh my god, why would they do that to him? Who planned that? Jesus. Jesus! So let's just start with saying we're not here to offend anyone. My background is I grew up in the Church of England, and then when I moved to Canada, I attended a Catholic church, but I'm currently not attending any regular church services. That being said, I believe in prayer, but I also believe that the universe has everything happening for a reason and a lot of spirituality. In the end, I just believe that everyone from all religions or no religion, great in my books, as long as you follow the golden rule, treat others how you want to be treated. And to me, I grew up not very religiously in my household. I don't attend church regularly. I never have. I've always kind of had the belief that religion is kind of like a penis. It's great to be proud of it. It's great to have one. Just don't go showing it off and don't go shoving it down my throat. This episode, we're going to focus on elements brought up in the episode and we're not going to point fingers at any one religion. So let's start with what happened in the episode. Jesus and Satan, they're going to have a final battle of good versus evil in the form of a boxing match. South Park residents, they immediately begin making bets on the fight. The entire town bets on Jesus to win the fight. Obviously, that's their savior. He has his own access local channel. They're going to support him. But they begin to lose faith when Satan appears for the weigh-in. He's huge. He weighs over 320 pounds. And Jesus only weighs about 135 pounds. So of course the citizens of South Park, they begin changing their bets. Jesus confronts the South Park citizens about 
the changing of the bets. After learning, there is one person, though, still betting on Jesus to win. Parker said the writers sought to satirize the speed and ease at which the followers of Jesus lose faith in him and bet against him. In the end, Satan reveals that his plan all along had been to bet on Jesus and then throw the fight, winning him lots of money and real estate from the South Park residents. Very evil, if you will. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, now we're going to talk a little bit about the meaning of good and evil. So what do we really mean when we use simplistic terms like good and evil? Well, according to psychology today, good means a lack of self-centeredness. It means the ability to empathize with others, to feel compassion for them, and to put their needs before your own. It means, if necessary, sacrificing your own well-being for the sake of others. It means benevolence, altruism, and selflessness, and self-sacrifice towards a greater cause, all qualities that stem from a sense of empathy. It means being able to see beyond the superficial difference of race, gender, or nationality and relate to a common human essence beneath them. Evil people are those who are unable to empathize with others. As a result, their own needs and desires are of paramount importance. They are selfish, self-absorbed, and narcissistic. In fact, other people only have value to them to the extent they can help them or satisfy their own desires or be exploited. This applies to dictators like Stalin and Hitler, and to serial killers and rapists. I would argue that the primary characteristic is an inability to empathize with others. They can't sense what other people's emotions are or their suffering, and can't see the world from other people's perspective, and have no sense of their rights. Other human beings are simply just objects to them, which is what makes their brutality and cruelty possible. But these are the two extremes. Most of us lie somewhere between the extremes of Gandhi and Hitler. Thank goodness. Sometimes we may behave badly when egocentric impulses cause us to put our needs before the welfare of others. Sometimes we have to behave in saintly fashions when empathy and compassion impel us to put the other's needs before our own, resulting in altruism and kindness. This episode mocks morality police who behave in private, like Priest Maxi who secretly bets the parish against Jesus as he admonishes Congress members for siding with Satan. The real difference between the idea of good and evil is the traditional concept is that empathy and lack of empathy aren't fixed. Although people with a psychopathic personality appear to be unable to develop empathy, for most of us, empathy or goodness is a quality that can be cultivated. The fluidity of goodness is also recognized as the process of restorative justice, which is becoming more and more widely used with European justice systems. Rather than locking away, quote, bad people, which is unfortunately so widely practiced by the penal system, restorative justice gives offenders the opportunity to meet their victims, see how their crimes have affected them, which often leads to a sense of empathy for their victims, which in turn frequently leads to rehabilitation. This is an optimistic view of nature, but the goodness in human beings emerges when we are connected. When we spread out into empathy with one another, evil is another aberration, a form of pathology, as the psychopathic personality shows, which only emerges when we are broken off into disconnected fragments. So of course in the episode, everyone puts their faith into Jesus that he's going to win, he's going to save the world between good and evil. But a lot of the times when you think of religion and faith, faith usually goes in hand with religion there's also the fact of blind faith and sometimes that's negatively used for people who don't believe in religion 
they'll say, oh, they just believe in something that science cannot prove. But faith is baked into how humans make decisions. It's baked into our values, our beliefs, and actions regarding the future. Blind faith is defined as faith with no reason. And most of the time, that's when people think that faith in spite of evidence to the contrary. But I found this really cool thing that describes blind faith in everyday examples. So take religion out of it. Blind faith is like this, buying a book or a product without trying them out. You saw a commercial and you're like, I hope this works. You have faith that it will work. Another one, going to college based on whatever you knew before or choosing a career you have no experience in the field. You just have faith that it'll work out. Even relationships, how do we know how relationships are gonna end? We don't know the future. We just have faith that it will go through. And presumably, anytime someone makes a gut decision or a decision based on their best guess or intuition, have you ever been walking down the street and you've just thought, you know what? I'm gonna go this other way. Just those like gut feelings, right? That's blind faith. You have no idea how any of these actions are going to result. And the last one, following your dreams, your goals and passions, they're all called leaps of faith. And there's so many times in history when someone has done a leap of faith, like I dreamed a dream, where it's worked and it's been perfect. Martin Luther King didn't know that his speech was going to work, that his protests were going to work. He just had a leap of faith and he had to go blindly into it and hope that it would work out. People don't assume that we're going to be talking about them hundreds of years after they took their last breath. They yeah. Have that faith. Yeah. So if you've done one or more of the five things I listed, you've created an action or maybe even a habit founded on blind faith to one extent or another. And when we analyze these five things, we don't call them irrational. We call them necessary risks on the path to progress. That is progress and evolution itself relying on courage, bravery, and strategic leaps of faith into the unknown. Religious writer Michael Klassen said, the abandonment of Jesus in the episode demonstrates, like many people in the real world, the faith of the townspeople cannot withstand hard times. You might see when a natural disaster happens or a horrific terrorist attack or a school shooting, lots of people say, thoughts and prayers. And it frustrates me personally because prayer is important and for a lot of religions it is something part of your daily life to help with our worldly problems. But the problem is a lot of people say thoughts and prayers and then nothing else is done about it. The one thing we have to remember with religion is it's really important to have spirituality or no spirituality if that's not your thing that's totally cool but you also have to remember that we are in charge of our own destinies my favorite joke of all time and you've probably heard some jokes like this before but it's just this little one is about this guy where he's having a rough time and he prays to god and he says i want to win the lottery and you know the week goes by and he doesn't win the lottery and he says again hey god i really need some help i need to win the lottery you know i'm gonna lose my house if i don't win the lottery and a week goes by and he still doesn't win the lottery so finally he prays to god and he says god you've forsaken me i didn't win the lottery you knew how much i needed help and god answers him and says hey uh maybe buy a ticket then i can help you win the lottery so it's just things like that 
So thoughts and prayers, but thoughts, prayers, and actions is really what we need. So now we're just going to talk a little bit about the difference between a cult and a religion. Did you know there's a wiki how on how to start a religion? And to give you a little hint, all you need is three people. Cults and religions are both groups of people who share a belief system, but they do so in very different ways. Drinking Kool-Aid is a lot different than singing hymns on a Sunday morning. There are some characteristics that group themselves as religions, such as the group worships a higher power of sorts rather than a single person. There is a shared, sincere belief system. The belief or main beliefs are consistent with basic mainstream standards for human dignity. Appropriate forms of conduct between people are defined and often misinterpreted. And understanding of evil is established, especially how it impacts humans. And there are also sacred ritual acts, sometimes sacred sacrificial acts, but not usually in present society anymore. A cult is a group of people with extreme dedication to a certain leader or a set of beliefs that are often viewed as odd by others. These groups generally have a few common characteristics. First, they rush you into joining and discourage or disallow questioning. Followers are encouraged to worship a specific group leader. The leaders usually dictate in every detail all aspects of the followers' lives. Followers are personally monitored to ensure they're following guidelines and methods of control are used to keep members close. Um, some examples of this is the Manson family murders or the Manson family cult in general. Psychedelics were often used to keep the followers at bay because if you were so high that you had no idea what was going on around you, you couldn't really have much say as to the actions and the plans that were taking place. So that's just one demonstrated method. Others are violence and coercion, like so many unfortunate things. The one note on cults is there are a lot of people who share their stories of getting out of cults. And a huge thing that a lot of people say is, well, how did you get in a cult? Like, didn't you know it was bad? And the thing is, is no, of course, if people knew it was bad, they wouldn't go into a cult. But there's that sense of family and that sense of finding a belonging. Cults are really good at finding people at their lowest point and giving them basically a hand and saying, hey, like, you seem a little down right now, but hey, you come to our place we'll make sure that your life will be amazing mm -hmm. people know that gangs are not right they know that the gangs are wrong and they get up to immense things there but it's still that sense of belonging it's that sense of being a part of something and that's how you end up in situations like the children of god which was founded in 1968 by a rogue preacher named david Byrne in huntington beach california it was basically a group of teenagers, often young runaways and quote-unquote hippies, which basically were following Berg as he preached about a kind of worship that combined the ways of Jesus Christ and a love for all in the movement of the 60s. Sounds pretty great, right? Nope. <laughs> uh, in the late 1970s, the Children of God became notorious for sexual practices that one of Berg's own daughters later described as religious prostitution. Oh, oh, geez. Mm -hmm. We talked about the Manson family a little bit. 
Want to talk about the People's Temple? Mr. Jim Jones? Oh, yes, Jim Jones. Mm -hmm. So another pretty famous cult is the People's Temple. In 1950, Indiana native Jim Jones founded a church that he claimed provided socialism and equality with religious elements of Christianity. He was kind of seen a little bit as a charismatic hustler in the beginning who faked faith healings by having audiences pull chicken livers out of mouths that they had hidden on the side, like, oh, the tumor's out, oh, you saved me. And in the early 1970s, Joan moved his group to California and set a commune-like settlement in the Redwood Valley. And unfortunately, we probably all know how this one ends. Eventually, he was forced to vacate to South America with his church. And from there, he used his charismatic, loving ways to convince every member of his church to commit suicide. A total of 918 people died. And until 9-11, it was the largest loss of American civilian life in history. It, it's awful. If you guys ever read more into it, basically, uh, so drinking the Kool-Aid, that's the phrase, and it was a cyanide-laced beverage. It actually wasn't Kool-Aid. It was yeah. like an off-brand. no-name Kool-Aid, but Kool-Aid unfortunately got blamed for it. Yeah. And those who didn't drink the cyanide-laced beverages or just chose to fight against that were ultimately opened fire upon by the group. Oh, and I did hear there was some injecting of cyanide as well. Because there was, because basically the reason they got them to do it was something about the end of the world. Yeah. Basically. Mm -hmm. And those who were very confident and they wanted to do it were the ones kind of like pushing other people to do it, unfortunately. Blind leading the blind. Mm Mm-hmm. But just to demonstrate that this cult-like phenomenon is not only present in North American culture, we actually stumbled upon a cult that was founded in Uganda in the 1980s. So it's the Movement for the Restoration of the Ten Commandments of God. It taught its members that they had to follow the Ten Commandments in order to survive the apocalypse, which the leaders believed would come in 2000. However, when January 1st, 2000 passed without an incident, members began to question their leaders about why they had failed to get the apocalypse date right. And so the leaders quickly came together and they decreed that there was a new apocalypse date, March 17th. And unfortunately for the group of people, it sure was an apocalypse date, but not caused by any kind of natural disaster, caused more so by the church leaders setting the movement church on fire killing more than 500 people who were trapped inside. So no, not a North American phenomenon. And this isn't something we're going to get into today, definitely in later episodes because South Park brings it up. But of course, when you think cults, a lot of them were happening in the 60s and 70s, Mm -hmm. but cults are still around today, um, including a cult called QAnon. Now we'll get into that later because they do talk about it in their pandemic special. But just to know that it's still happening today, and I think sometimes religion even gets a bad rap for this. Mm -hmm. It's always the extremists, right? The ones who are pushing terrible things on people. It gives everyone a bad rap. So usually we would provide you with a place to learn more about the topic. However, of course, this topic is far too large to give just one place. It's also not our place to tell you what religions to look at or give you more information on cults at this time. Because 
As of 2017, the U.S. Department of Defense recognized over 220 religions. So what we're saying is go out there, learn, research, look into some of these places, learn more about religions that have been around for hundreds, thousands of years, like Christianity and Buddhism and Islam. Or there's the flying spaghetti monster, Scientology, which we'll talk about later. I mean, I'm sure there's a religion where people literally just take like massive amounts of acid and have spiritual trips. So, yeah, you know, it just depends yeah. on what you're into. Yeah. And even if you're not into religion, there's spirituality, there's atheism, there's Satanism. There's agnostic. Yeah. Where you just don't believe anything. And that's okay. Mm. In the end, I think us as human beings, we're just trying to figure out why we're here and what happens next. And the best way to make sense of this whole damn crazy existence. So now's the part of the episode where we talk about our favorite part. And shocker, Amanda almost didn't get her favorite part this episode. Prior to the broadcast, Parker and Stone said Damien would be the first episode in which Kenny would not be killed. But as you guys have seen the episode, Kenny ends up dying. Mm -hmm. Although to be fair to Parker and Stone, they did kill duck-billed platypus Kenny. Not Kenny Kenny. True, mm. very true. Gave us kind of a throwback with it. It's coming right for us. Mm. <laughs> oh my god, I died so hard when I saw that. <laughs> they also didn't want to kill Pip. That's why Pip came back. Mm. He exploded in a firework, but he came back. They kind of said that Kenny was going to be the only child that they were going to kill. So Sophie, what was your favorite part of the episode? I feel like there was no one part. It was just the fact that Damien was speaking biblical at one point Jesus speaking biblical in the point of like he's like you have forsaken me I've been forsook you Judases like just amazing great and I think it's always funny I was gonna say I think it's funny that um there are certain ways we used to talk right there's like biblical talk or Shakespearean talk or everything like that but now that I think about it Sometimes the way the kids nowadays talk, I got no idea what they're saying. So in 20 years, I think nobody will know what we're saying either. I mean, it's lit, fam. Whatever <laughs> that means. <laughs> and goat, which I did learn means greatest of all time. We're not fogies. <laughs> we hope you enjoyed today's episode. We'll be putting out episodes weekly wherever you listen to podcasts. You can find us on Twitter and Instagram. Our handle is at two female prime ministers. Reach out to us to let us know what you liked, how we can improve, and share us with your friends. And if you really like us, leave a review on Apple Podcasts so others can find us. We hope after listening to our show today, you thought, you know, I learned something today. Bye! Bye.